I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Everyone, welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito, where you guys are in for a huge treat today. Um, I am sitting here with one of my dearest, most favorite people in the whole wide world, Max, who does my hair. Now you guys know why I love him so much. <laughs> Doesn't every girl just have the biggest crush on their hairdresser? I think it's a thing. It's I really a thing. do. It's yeah. a, it's I have a crush on you guys too, though. <laughs> it's mutual. Oh, I it thought really you were going to say I have a crush on you. It is specifically you. said you, you. guys. So no, that kind of. I specifically <laughs> have a crush on Tomasino. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many times I've 911'd you and like, Max, it's like, what is it about when you wake up and you look at your hair? Like the day before it was fine, but you wake up and you're like, oh God. I gotta, I gotta get in. I it, gotta get it in. It so happens. It happens to me so much, actually. Where I don't know what it is because it's like you're good, you're good, and then one day you're like, oh my gosh, I I'm need you, so Max. not good. I have to be there for you. <laughs> I'll always catch you. <laughs> when you're about to fall. How many nine one one hair, uh, hair texts or phone calls do you get a day? Um, you know, it's. I like to keep people on a routine, so I just try to keep people coming back in routinely. But mm -hmm. there's always someone who forgets to book an appointment, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I have something so big coming up next week, and I have to fix it. But I think I, I try to do a good job and keep people on oh, routine. You you do. You do. But sometimes we get we mess up. We mess up the routine. It's true. I do. Okay, so we are, I asked Max uh, to come in here today for all of you who are listening to talk about being gay. And this is a, a risky, risky conversation. It's very risky. Um, <laughs> for, for many reasons. One, it's personal. Mm -hmm. um, two, it's very controversial, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you're very aware of. Three, um, you know, I'm a I'm a pastor, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of uh, assumptions that come, I think, with people in a Christian community about how we should feel about gay people, mm -hmm. and um, and so I I think I take a risk today because I think I'm probably different than um, a lot of a lot of Christians who. Um, who have very strong and weighted opinions about the gay community. Um, so I'm just going to just say it right. I don't know the, I don't know the right lingo. Mm -hmm. I don't know the right words. I don't know the right terms. And so if in any way I offend you or anyone who's listening, I don't mean to, yeah. um, I love all people and, um, and the whole point of having you on here today, I just think, honestly, is to shed some light onto me, onto, I mean, I have told a ton of my friends that you're coming on, and I've told them, like, what I want to talk about, and they're like, oh, thank you for doing this, because I think there are so many questions that, that I have that people are, who are not gay or don't. Um, have a lot of gay friends or interactions that we have about what it must be like mm -hmm. to be gay. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy about whether or not you're born this way. Is it a choice? And and a lot of people have opinions about that. And so I just, um, I just, you're you're so approachable and you're so fabulous, Max. And oh, you're so sweet. Well, and I just thought you would be the perfect person to come and just have a very honest and candid conversation about what your journey um, has been like. And so, thank you, thank you for having a risky conversation with me today about what it's like to be a gay male. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, just to give some context, how old are you? I am 24. 24. 24 years old. With an 80-year-old soul. 
Uh, I, no, it's so true. I mean, I'm a grandpa. I'm literally a, a grandpa. grandpa. <laughs> you're such a grandpa. Like you're so. You make everybody feel like like you're with safe grandpa. Yeah, you know, I've I've always kind of felt a little older than myself. You know, I I make friends with people who are a lot older than me, and it's kind of how I've always been. Well, you just have you just have a beautiful way about you. So um, why don't we start, Max, with you just telling me. Um, I know you grew up in Alaska, which is so mm-hmm. fun and unique. So tell me about growing up. What were you like as a, as a boy? Growing up, um, so I'm the oldest, first of all. Okay. So I have five brothers and sisters. There's five of us total, so I guess I have four. Um, Bro- brother, how many the, brothers, how many sisters? There's three There's three boys and there's two girls. Okay. And I'm the oldest and... Um, I grew all from up, the same parents? Um, no. Okay. Yes. So I'll so let I, you explain that. Yeah. So I, I do come from a, a split family. My parents divorced whenever I was really young. Um, How young? How old were you? I must have been six. Okay. And at that time, it was just my sister and I. Okay. Um, my younger sister, Ireland, who's like the most amazing person in the world. I'm like in love with her. Um, her name is Ireland? Her name's Ireland. Yeah. She's such, she's such an amazing girl. Um, so I grew up the oldest and I grew up pretty normal the first part of my life I would say um, whatever that means <laughs> seriously whatever that means but quote unquote I mean there's a, typical you, you know typical. no major traumas like super easy breezy lighthearted. growing up in Alaska was so amazing what part of Alaska it's this little town called Kenai and you just run around and canoe all day and then in the snow you're snow machining and skiing and it's 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 really is so beautiful it's like the most beautiful place in the world to grow up so I've never heard of Kenai is yeah. that how you say it? Kenai, yeah. Kenai. I've um, never heard of it. How many people were in your town? I would say like 3,000 people. It was oh, so little. So tiny. And tiny. so away from the world. Like mm-hmm. so, so, grew up so naive. Like no influences of like pop culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was so off the grid. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you'd think it would be. It, it mm-hmm. kind of was. So I've only been to Alaska one time. I've not been to Kenai. But what I said about Alaska was, you know, we are... Um, like nature is a part of our world here. Like we have trampled all over nature and and animals, and mm-hmm. you know we have made every all of that um, part of our world. But Alaska yeah. was the only place that I've ever been to. It's where, untouched. Where we were a part of of their world. Mm-hmm. We were a part of nature's world. We were a part of animal kingdom's world. Yeah. And I've never experienced that anywhere else except Alaska. It's just spectacular. Yeah. I, I so love going back. When did your so did your mom or dad remarry? Um, they both remarried. Okay. Yep. Um my dad remarried very soon after and I actually stayed with my dad for most of the time in Alaska. My okay. mom moved to California. Okay. Um so we kind of split our time between the two of them with me staying in Alaska most of the time with my dad. Okay. Um, which I think was a decision um that was based off of mostly because I had already had a life set up in Alaska, Mm -hmm. but I was also a very effeminate Mm -hmm. young man, Mm -hmm. just naturally. It was Mm -hmm. things that as I got older, it became more apparent. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it came down to decide who we were going to live with, my sister and I, it was viewed that my dad would be the more suiting parent for me because mm-hmm. he could implement a more masculine role in my life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that that was thought out as like, we need dad to influence Max to be a man. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, and, and not on my, my mom fought that mm-hmm. like, very aggressively actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just so many in that time, you know, that's 2000, maybe a year before, um, where it's just a different part of it's a different world, you know. Yeah. People were were looking like it. it first of all, it, it's it's rare for the mom to get not get custody, right? Right. right. Um, Very rare. So they just thought it was the best thing, mm. you know, for my dad to have. So your so your parents get divorced. You're six years old, mm-hmm. and your parents are already picking up on the fact that you have tendencies. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So your dad gets remarried. My dad gets remarried, and my mom does shortly after. Okay. Um, and I lived with my dad in Alaska till I was about sixteen, and it was a it was a big struggle. My dad and I, mm. you know what I mean? Because as you can imagine, 
I grew up and nothing changed. Mm. I, there was no masculine role that was implemented that changed any part about me. It was just more of a, a struggle for me, maybe. You know so I mean? even though he tried really hard to impose this masculinity on you, it it didn't matter how, mm. how, no. how hard he rubbed your shoulders or how many football pads he put on you. I, it, I almost fought harder wow. and became less of who you see today and more of an effeminate version of myself because mm-hmm. it was I was trying to almost fight it in a way or like dig my heels into the ground and like mm-hmm. this is who I am. You know what I mean? So your parents picked up on a very young age. Mm-hmm. At what age were you like, I'm gay? I would say I could identify with it probably seventh grade. Whenever okay. everyone's starting to feel stuff mm-hmm. and there's hormones and mm-hmm. I watched all my friends go a certain way and I truly didn't feel the way they felt. Mm-hmm. So you see your friends getting crushes on girls and yeah, but wanting to kiss girls and you just didn't have that desire. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> I, no, I really didn't. I wanted to braid their hair and be their friend. <laughs> No, it was so bad. <laughs> my dad why was like, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> why do you keep curling Ireland's hair? <laughs> no, you have no idea how spot on that is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Okay, so did you ever try? Did you ever try to like a girl? I mean, absolutely. And because I was, I was told it was what I needed to do. It, mm-hmm. it was the thing. And I definitely try to put myself in those shoes and, and play that role, Mm -hmm. but it never felt organic. It never felt real. It never felt comfortable. No, not at all. And I, I did have a girlfriend, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Quote unquote, um, when I was in sixth grade or so, just because everyone else was doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and you don't want to be different No, when you're in the sixth grade. Turns out she was just my best friend and and she still (laughs) is. You braided her hair. Yeah, I did. That's exactly (laughs) what happened. Now, did you ever kiss a girl? Did you ever kiss her? I, I definitely tried to kiss a girl. Okay. Yeah. And, and girl, no, girls are actually great kissers. <laughs> it's it's not that's not that's not a weird thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not a weird thing. <laughs> I don't know. Where why are we going with so this? Funny. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I think I just want to know, like, you know, if your dad's shoving this idea or ideology yeah. down your throat, how is your stepmom about it? You know, um, kind of was silent mm-hmm. in a lot of that. Kind she stayed of stayed out of it. Stayed out of it. Um, it was apparent to her 100%. And, you know, my dad never had a real conversation with me about it until I got to the age of about 16, whenever it was very apparent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When I was like, I, had, I grew my hair out. I was just like, quit the football team. I was... I would lie about where I was at. Instead of being at football practice, I would be with friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I completely, completely rebelled against him in every possible way. Were you angry at him? Furious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Oh, furious. So, well, I'm so sure mad. that there was so much of you that felt like you were a disappointment or a failure or um, <clears throat> never going to be what your dad wanted in a son. 100%. So talk about that. So I'll never forget my dad first. I I don't remember exactly how, what he had found, Mm -hmm. whether it was a journal entry or what it was, Mm -hmm. but basically he had found some concrete, I think actually it was a text message when he, when he took my phone of me communicating with like a, another guy in town or something. Mm -hmm. And he picked me up from school and he like came and got you out of school. school. Mm That's serious. It was serious. And I knew it was serious too. Mm-hmm. And he just, I'll never forget it. He's like, I will never pretend to be okay with who you are. Wow. And it was that matter of fact, he let me know it. And it was, the, that's, that, that's kind of where the destruction of him and I began. truly began. Did he take you home? Where was this conversation? It was in the car. And uh, my dad worked for in an oil field right next to my high school. So he, he was still in his work truck. He, I, I don't know where he was, mm-hmm. where he had found this, what he was, what he's doing, but he picked me up from school, drove me home. And I don't, I don't necessarily remember a lot after that. It, all, all I know is that I couldn't get away from him fast enough after that. And I did. I went to go live with my mom 
Oh, so mm-hmm. that's why you left. Mm-hmm. Now, had what did the three children come from your dad and stepmom? So my dad had one more, mm-hmm. and then my mom had two more. Okay, so it's all combo. We're a combo. And everybody, but is everybody simpatico? Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm so close to all of them in different ways, awesome. but mm-hmm. absolutely. We're that's, still a very tight niche family. It's incredible. Yeah. I, when that happens to me, that's just a miracle. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Okay, so you leave Alaska. Mm-hmm. That had to be heartbreaking because yeah. this was your home. Mm-hmm. It was, and it wasn't easy. My dad fought me hardcore on that, and I, I reached out to my mom, who I wasn't in a lot of contact with at mm-hmm. that point. Rare, you know, twice a year visit. She kind of restarted life a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Away from my sister and I. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you talk to your mom? On the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was such a nasty divorce. Uh, I think she just wanted away. I think she wanted to leave. And so I reached out to her actually. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I have to come live with you. Like there's this burning desire in me to like leave this place, be accepted, be just go find myself kind of thing. And which I, which was my dad was just, it, I think it destroyed him a little more than I realized now as an adult, Mm -hmm. but it, there was no getting along along for us at that time. Yeah. You know, no way out. there was, there was none. Let me ask you about your friendships. Yeah. So sixth grade, you're trying to like girls. Mm-hmm. And, and so when does it become so apparent to you and so apparent to your friends that Max is gay? When can you start just being gay? High school. Really? Yeah. Around that 16 year age, okay. I was completely out. And did you have conversations with people or was it just obvious? Did you feel like you had to have conversations with everyone? Mm, I think once it was a very small town, once one person heard it Mm. spread like wildfire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I became that kid very, very soon. Were there other kids at your school like you? Not not out, not at all. Wow. Mm -mm. So you were the first and only. I did not know a single gay person at all in Alaska. Nobody. Okay, Max, that is so brave of you. It well, it, you know that's it's funny to hear you say brave to me because to me it was it was just it, it was just that it was there, it wasn't you had brave. no choice. It was just kind of it was who, it felt like it was who me. you are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who how you were created. I didn't struggle coming out. I struggled with the aftermath of coming out. I struggled with the way people reacted to me. How yeah. did the community react to you? Very hush-hush. Nobody, they Nobody. ignored it? Yeah, I did have one, I remember, drama teacher who, of course, it was my drama teacher, right? <laughs> but he was he was so gracious and so amazing to me. And just without letting me know that he was okay with me, he let me know. Mm. You know what I mean? What a special gift. It was. It really was. Mm-hmm. You mind if I ask a question? No. I'm sorry to interrupt no. you guys. No, interrupt. Um, this like, is Kevin, producer. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just out of curiosity, <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, I don't think, you know, someone being gay is as nearly as a rarity as people think. You know, it's a lot more common, probably, than, than people realize. Yeah. So, did you know other people? I know it was a small town, but where, like, uh, where you'd be like, that guy's definitely gay and is just lying to himself. I mean, well, I mean, well, how far do we want to get into this? Like, <laughs> I mean, there was definitely guys who were quote unquote straight in my high school who I knew were not wow. kind of thing. But it was very like they couldn't like you would never say anything. You no. Know? Yeah. Like I will beat you up if you say something. Wow. Kind of thing. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah. But that was my growing up. It, you know, there there were guys who were not out but were letting me know that they were right. curious and that kind of stuff. Sure. So yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Wow. So that happened on more than one occasion where you got a, okay. Can you tell us a story? Well, I would say my first, um, good question. It was a good question. It really was. And it happens. (laughs) You answered it perfectly. Yeah. Well, it happens more than not. And even, even today in today's world, it happens, you know, Mm -hmm. straight men who stay straight because that's the, Right where they fall you. into, of right? Course. But I think a lot of close groups of guys always have, you know, that one friend where it's like, you know, you can just tell us nobody cares. Like we but know you're gay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just be gay. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there was there was there was a guy in my grade specifically who um he approached me um, at, at a party with, cause I, I was friends with a, still a lot of people. I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a really small group of people. So mm-hmm. we were also very close. They were mm-hmm. very protective of me. Right. Sweet. So this one guy, um, 
who I'd grown up with, we did kind of have this like loose romantic relationship Mm -hmm. that developed over just awkward hints Mm -hmm. over the years. Mm -hmm. And I would say from 14 to 16, he was kind of my first person Mm -hmm. in in every way, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it was never okay with him. And to this day, he's married to a woman. Wow. And he like, that's, that's the life he lives. Wow. And isn't that so strange? It, it, you know what it is? It's got to be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I'm like, when I hear stuff like that, I think about the torment and the heartache and, yeah. and just the angst of all, all of this going on inside. And it's just your big secret. I just, well, it's shame. Yeah. It a, is. a lot of it's shame. Of course. And that's not something, you know, I, I do feel lucky enough to where it did. It felt like it was the the right road for me, mm-hmm. but maybe even if it's just half a feeling for some people, mm-hmm. maybe for people who are bisexual mm-hmm. or are just curious, mm-hmm. um, just that feeling of, of I am something, but I don't know how to be it naturally. I, I'm afraid of not being accepted. Right. That's heartbreaking Yeah, on any level that That's someone right. couldn't live authentically. authentically. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's a sad, it's a sad thing that some people grow up not having that that ability to be authentic yeah you know to whatever it is they were created not for. just being gay right. or or whatever right, right. You know? not not being a football player because your dad damn it you're gonna play football and you don't want to play football yeah. you want to you want to be an artist i mean it's i agree i think that that is that's got to be a, a form of hell yeah for it for was people. for me oh it was so it was such hell it was such hell i did not want to do any of that stuff. But at the same time, I always had a, a yearning to please my dad. Mm-hmm. Even, of course. Even, even He's your dad. He, he was my dad still. And mm-hmm. even in the mirror today, it's so weird. I'll look in the mirror and I, I like see more of him and me. Mm-hmm. And it's... Like physically, oh, you fi- mean? Like physically, like mm-hmm. totally. It's the weirdest thing. And um, there's so much love there still. Mm-hmm. And I love him so much. And now I'm grateful that we've rekindled the relationship and we, we have a healthy dynamic. Mm-hmm. But it took him a while to come around. You oh. know what I mean? So I, I definitely want to talk about that. But before we do, I want to go back for just a second yeah. and talk about um, this dance of people who feel one way but live another. Mm-hmm. So I read this book. I think I told you about it one day when I was getting my hair done uh, called Everybody Lies. Everybody, you did tell me. Yeah. Yes. And and it was, I think, as, as I was asking you to, to be on this, we talked about it because... The book, um, the book is based on this this idea that as a society we try to portray ourselves as you know we're not racist, we're not gay, we're we are blah 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 blah. Perfect. Blah. Yes, perfect. Right? Whatever perfect. that means, whatever whatever that word means. But this guy has taken all of our Google searches and and based on. Um, studies that he has done on the search engines that we, you know, when we go to Google and what we're Googling, he can prove that like (laughs) what percent of our society is gay or interested in being gay or, or what, what, you know, people who say they're not racist and yet what their Google searches say, why are Mexicans so lazy? Why are blacks so dirty? Why are whites so, you know, whatever, fill in right. the blank. So all these stereotypes um, that we as a society are trying to run away from, that is an ideal place that we would like to be and hope to be one day, and yet we're so far from it based on our Google searches. In fact, so interesting. the guy who wrote the book said, based on the Google searches, the most prejudiced city in our entire nation is New York City. New York City. New York City. That's like the Mecca of like people <laughs> the being pot. themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's interesting pot. you say that. But, uh, but everybody there has an opinion about the, the Jew, the Indian, the, the Muslim, the, Buddhas, you know, and mm-hmm. it, anyway, it's just, it was a really fascinating, of course, I graduated in sociology, so I get geeked out on stuff like that, but it was just such insight to, um, to our world and to, 
and to who we are as people, because I think that we are so afraid, you know, we're so afraid. And I think that people who I'm, I'm sure there's so many more people that are gay that are so afraid to be gay. Oh yeah. There you know? are. And they can't, they can't lean into, um, lean into this for whether it's family or religion or you know, whatever it is that keeps them, keeps them on the perfect, you know, the path of perfection, whatever, whatever they deem that to be. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your, well, can we talk about when you moved to California? Yes. Okay. So okay. you leave, you're 16 years old and you move to what part of California? San Luis Obispo. So Southern. It's, mm-hmm. it was, it was cent- central? C- central. Yeah. Central. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, um, more specifically a Tascadero. California. Okay. My mom had this cute little coffee shop there that she ran and operated for ever since she left Alaska. And, you know, she really did kind of have a new life set up. She had my siblings now, mm-hmm. which strangely enough is a boy and a girl exactly the same years apart that my sister Ireland and I were. Oh, really? That's strange. So she kind of literally uprooted wow. and started again and kind of redid. Redid. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, Okay, so now you had younger siblings. So you're 16, and how old were they? Emerson must have been nine, and or younger than that. I'm sorry. Um, I think seven and four. Okay. I think that's right. Seven and so four. you're just getting to know them. Just getting to know them. I had met them very periodically. So you move to California, and tell me what that was like. I think I was an angry kid mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. I was kind of coming off this like here I was struggling with my dad's non-acceptance of me. Mm-hmm. And I hear I was finally open and free to be who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then I almost had this anger towards my mom for where were you? Like, where'd you go? Yeah. Like I could have had these open arms for so much longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who where would, have you been? Who, yeah. Who would I have been today? Mm-hmm. Would I have had to face that, mm-hmm. you know, kind That's of struggle? So understandable. But. So she was accepting. Oh my Toba, my mom is so incredible. Aww. She, she's never looked at me as like gay or straight or whatever. I, I, I'm her son. Which is precious. And you know, it was, I was so free to be who I was. The, the craziest thing is, um, my mom and I, we moved to Oklahoma very shortly after, about a year after I lived in San Luis Obispo, we mm-hmm. moved to Oklahoma mm-hmm. and I don't even remember when this happened, but I was looking back at pictures a few months ago. And in those three years from 16 to 18, 19, Mm -hmm. I had cut my hair. I was more masculine than I had ever been. Um, I was exactly almost who my dad wanted me to be Mm. whenever I was free of Mm. him forcing me to be that. That is so... Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Because it's who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't this person who was rebelling. I, mm-hmm. I was. You were just Max. I was Max. Yeah, and I was able Max. to be And you that. were being loved for just being Max. Oh, and I met all these amazing people, like my these people who were also gay and who had maybe even worse of a struggle than I was, where both of their parents ignored them and kicked them out. And mm-hmm. um, my mom introduced me to this great group called um, OYP when I was very young. It's called Open... Arms Youth Project, I think. Mm -hmm. And I met all these people who were under the age of 18, who it didn't matter if they were homeless, went to the best private school where they, where they came from in life. Every day they met up at the end of the day at this one place and they all just got to talk about life and different topics. And it was led by these really two amazing men who went through all the struggles of being gay in the eighties and the nineties. And now we're kind of making a safe haven for all these young kids Incredible. It was so incredible. Um, And it was quite essential to who I am today because I just met so many people who were Mm -hmm. walking the same path to me. You weren't alone anymore. I wasn't alone at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It made me a very empathetic person Mm -hmm. just seeing all these people's walks and seeing how they lived. And I felt, I don't like the word accepted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it I'm telling you that that's something for you to accept about me that's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I felt at home mm-hmm. in a weird way. I can't imagine how powerful that was for kids who felt like they weren't worth loving because of their sexuality. 
the only thing that any of us ever want is to be loved and accepted. That's it. That's all we want. That's all we want. And so I can't imagine going through, especially my adolescent years, and not being loved and not being accepted for whatever reason, and then walking into a room where I was. I mean, I, I just, that, that, that program probably saved a lot of lives. I think so too. That's, that's incredible. Because it, it was for a lot of these kids. Thankfully, I, I, I got to experience my mom, mm-hmm. which is, I think we look for acceptance on those two immediate people first, right? Your mom sure, and your dad. Sure. And when those kids weren't getting it from their mom or their dad, like I wasn't getting it from my dad, they had it in an environment where they were getting it from someone. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, I do think it changed the course of a lot of really young kids' lives because yeah. they were told they were so wrong. They were, who they were was a sin. It was, um, disgusting. It was, mm-hmm. it wasn't natural. They needed to change. You know what I mean? In order to be okay. In order to be okay. Mm-hmm. In order to be happy, to be loved. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it, it is a, a very sad thing, but it's also a very real thing that happens. Oh, it's happening sti- right now. Still to this day. Yeah, it's happening right there's now. There's parents who maybe are just scared that yeah. there's fear. It's, it's coming from a place of fear, right? Yeah. So they're trying to make their kids change. Like life could be so much easier for you if you just don't be this way. Like quick, quick, look this way. Like, yeah. you know, don't be gay. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I was a youth pastor and um, I was a youth pastor for seven years. And it was so obvious to me the kids who, I mean, the kids who were gay, and yet they were growing up in a town and a place and a time with parents who could not, many of them could not accept them. Mm-hmm. And I remember one dad um, coming into my office and just absolutely freaked out um, because his son was gay and his son had told him he was gay. And he was furious, he was embarrassed, he was ashamed, um, he was angry. Yeah. And he said, what do I do? What do I do? You know, he's looking to me for, and I said, I can't tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what I think or I hope I would do if this were my son. Uh, I think I would love him. I think I would love him. And I think that he was like surprised that that was my response, but I just don't know that that there's another choice as a parent. You know, no matter, it's not my job to control or manipulate or fix or it's not <laughs> or change my child. You know, and I mean, Janice, my therapist, always says there's. There's a God in this world, and it's not me, you know? And I, I'm i just another human on this planet with my, with my own pile, you yeah, know? And yeah. I just hope somebody loves me in my pile. Yeah. And I had that same dad reach out to me in the last year and thanked me. Wow. For, because now they're in a really good space. Yeah. And his son is openly... Um, gay, but his dad came back and thanked me for for that advice, and I don't know what it meant or what it did, but um, he probably just needed to hear that it was okay, yeah, for him to love his son. Right, tell me it's okay. My gosh, please keep loving, please keep loving your son, please keep loving your daughter who who don't become or do or it makes all the difference. Oh, I mean, I just. I can't imagine. So uh, you moved to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and um, and how was that? It's good. It's I I graduated high school there, mm-hmm. and then oh, I, you graduated in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So you moved your senior year. Mm-hmm. How was that? You moved at some really formidable hard years. Oh yeah, I moved around so much, so wow. much. A, a, met a lot of different people, saw a lot. It was it was a lot. High school was a big blur for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oklahoma was a big, huge difference for me than Alaska was. You know, oh, yeah. it, it was so different. And California. And California, differently. <laughs> so uh, you know, different. Oh, so I couldn't have had more different influences. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I graduated high school, um, I moved right back out to Los Angeles and went to beauty school out there. 
Okay. Like right when I graduated, I was like, goodbye, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested in this. <laughs> no. Did you, did you <laughs> love LA? I loved LA. It was yeah. amazing. Um, met some of my very best friends. Met, you know, it was perfect for my career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what I always wanted How to do. How long were you there? How long were you out there? Three years. Okay. Three years. Mm-hmm. So then you were 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And what brought you back to Dallas? I wanted to be closer to my mom. Mm-hmm. And she's still in Oklahoma? She's still in Oklahoma. Okay. I knew I could not go back to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But LA is a hard place to live. It is. And it's, um, I was exposed to a lot very quickly mm-hmm. that I think I wasn't quite ready for. Mm-hmm. LA is a big place, a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, I think now if I went back, it'd be a lot different of a story. But mm-hmm. I was 18 years old. Yeah. You know, it's, it's too young. Um, LA is overwhelming, overwhelming regardless of your sexuality or what I mean I remember going to LA I was probably 24 when I went there for the first time and you know it's funny Max I had never felt insecure until I went to LA and I looked around and for the first time I mean in my life I was like I feel like shit oh, about my, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like I've never felt so unattractive, so fat. I mean, there, oh you my just, gosh, which you, you are none, but you can't compete. You know, it's just, it is a different, it is a different, it is not for the faint of no, heart. No, it's not. And you know, being a gay man mm-hmm. in that world of beauty and of kind mm-hmm. of a place like Los Angeles, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's more discrimination in the gay world with for each other than I've ever experienced from heterosexual people okay, ever. Okay, tell me about that. I don't. I, I no, give some context thing. to it's that. It's a real thing. So. Gay men are are can be, and I speak loosely. This is my experience mm-hmm. of it. Gay men can generally um, be be very judgmental of each other. You really? Know, it's like like oh, you aesthetically. Aesthetically, like in the gay world, I I would technically be like obese. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> you are not it's a obese. thing. It's a real thing. It's like it's like six packs and coiffed hair. It's, it's all those things, and it's very competitive. Um, so that perception that that some uh, that a heterosexual like me would have about that is true. Very true. Wow, it's a thing. Wow, and are they can can they be harsh about it? Oh yeah, it's very clicky. Very Dallas is Dallas is that way as well. You know, just like Los Angeles is to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. It's very, very competitive as far as that that community. You know what I mean? You'd think it'd be like, oh, I'm gay. Like, open arms. Here I am. Like, welcome. It is I like, totally would think that it's, it's like, like that. oh, a number on your forehead real quick. Like, there you go. Wow. You know what I mean? That is fascinating. It is. But it's like that way in, in every culture. Well, either. you know what's interesting about you saying that? And I'm thinking it as you're saying it. I think, of course, like... You, I say that when girls go to parties, they don't dress for the guys. They, they dress, dress for, for the, the girls. other girls. And so I I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. So it's the competition the is among the same group. Like heterosexual mm-hmm. men probably don't dress for other heterosexual men. You know, they probably want to dress to impress whoever they're with. Mm-hmm. I would agree with but that. But it's, so it's kind of like you're living the same life that that I'm living. hundred percent. It can be hell sometimes. It's so, um, seriously, you're like, how do I keep up? <laughs> yeah. The first thing, I mean, I was at a party Saturday night. The first thing that every girl does is look at size everybody up and, mm-hmm. and where's your dress from? Yeah. Where's your shoes? Yeah. And where do, where, where are you in the pecking order? Like you immediately figure that out. I mean, I don't care. I might be the first person to admit that, but every single woman, does it it's 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 a real thing that's that is a real thing um okay so tell me uh, so you moved here three years ago mm-hmm. almost three years yeah. almost three years ago tell me how um how your siblings how did your siblings deal are you the only gay child only gay the only out gay child that we know of right now <laughs> yeah. yes yes that's I'm a good the, way to I'm say i'm the it. only the only okay gay child. um and how have they embraced this oh it's beautifully i have a brother who plays college football who's like the most mask he's my dad's like exactly what he was molding me to be Mm -hmm. he got that with my brother and him and i are so close we're we're so in love it's unreal god yeah and of course i told you my sister we're just you're in ireland it's perfect yeah Mm -hmm. and then my younger siblings my mom um they are incredible they're they're still a little young 
you know, they're Emerson's the 15 and Stella's 11. So they're still very young. Mm -hmm. So my relationship's a little different with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're very close, a little more paternal, I would say. The yeah, relationship I get that. Is, I get that. Um, how, how, what's the age difference between you and your brother? Your the brother that plays football. Four, four years. And where's or, uh, five? I'm sorry, five years. Where is he at school? He is in school in Alaska right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how how did how have you was there ever tension or angst or jealousy between y'all because you were you were the black sheep you know with dad and then he turned out to be everything dad wanted. Was there ever any jealousy or hard feelings or anger between the two of you? I think if I would really think about it, I would feel a little jealousy in that just because they share something that I probably won't ever with my dad. But mm -hmm. no, if that's his place. I'm happy he has it. You know, he's an incredible guy. And um, like I said, my relationship with my dad, we have a different place where, that we share now. Mm -hmm. you it's know? amazing that that you and your brother never... Never. That's just... We never did. Awesome. Uh, we, we never had the same interests on any avenue. I mean, that happens That happens with just brothers, totally. you know? I mean, just angst and jealousy and you, you know, I mean, you went, he, you could have played football and he could have just been better yeah. and, and there would be angst. Yeah. So um, let's go back to your dad. Mm -hmm. uh, after you moved to California, what happened with the relationship? I didn't speak to my dad. For years. What? For years. Wow. I had no desire to. Did I, he try to reach out to you? Not at all. So you left. Mm-hmm. Max, I don't yeah. know this about you. Yeah, we didn't speak for a very long time. And okay. I was I was okay with it at, for a long time. Because you had made peace. I mean, like, I'm never going to make him happy. So much therapy. My mom put me in therapy. I'm so glad she did because it made me self-reflective. And, you know, I, I've... I made that all his stuff. Mm -hmm. Which it was. Which it was. Mm -hmm. And I forgave him before he ever told me he was sorry. Wow. You know. How did, how did, you, how did you do that? Like I said, it, it, was, it was his. I, I felt peace with myself. You know, I, it, it's weird. I've, I've never, ever felt disassociated with myself. I've never felt that I wasn't who I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. that, I would, that I was, I never struggled with my identity. I always knew exactly who. It always felt like I was who. So I even was. if people didn't accept you for who you were, mm -hmm. you knew who you were. I knew who I was. That's that's a that's a, a miracle. Yeah. That's that's amazing, Max. It is. That you could say that about. I mean, there's there's people who have identity crisis much much more intense that and and yeah, you know, homosexuality is is not a part of their life, and yet they're still struggling with. Mm -hmm. Their identity. Yeah. So you're you lived in how how many years? You say years. How many years did you not speak with your dad? I think I didn't speak to my dad until I was twenty two, maybe okay. maybe twenty one, maybe. So you're living in L.A. Living in L.A. and I decided to go back to Alaska for Christmas one year. Wow. And it was the first time I had seen him since I was sixteen, seventeen years old, and it was so awkward. It was so awkward. So you call him up. You said, no, I actually called my grandparents. I was like, I want to come home. Is that okay? And they're like, we'd absolutely come home. Oh, now were these his parents? His parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I didn't speak to my dad before I saw him at all. And Did you go stay with your grandparents? Did definitely stay with my grandparents, yeah. Okay. Did your dad know you were coming? I th he did. Not for me, but from them. From them. And it was... So, so t tell me everything about that yeah. moment. The well, he came to pick me up like Christmas Eve, I think, and brought me over to his house. And he just broke down in complete tears. Mm. And he was just so apologetic to me on the sense of he, I remember he told me, he's like, I am still t trying to figure out how to be a parent. And it's the hardest job I've ever had. And he just wanted me to know he was proud of me. And he had kind of seen that I was doing everything I said I always wanted to do. Mm. And he just told me I, I, he was completely in love with who I was, where I was at. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a beautiful thing for us. Wow, Max. Mm -hmm. It was. And I just hope that other kids mm -hmm. experiencing that get to feel that. Mm -hmm. closure with their parents in a way. Well, what you hope is that parents can offer 
parents can opt because it's not the child's job to fix things. It's mm. just not. Yeah. I mean, it's you were too young, and all of this had to be entirely too traumatic for you to yeah. make the phone call to your dad so that everything could be okay between you and your dad. You know, yeah. and like you said, the problem did not lie within you. No. No. And I knew that I would have to be the one to reach out. My dad's a proud man. You know, I knew that I would be the one to have to go to him. Mm. And I think that I, the fact that I had already forgiven him, let me do that. Oh man, you know? that's so good. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was, and to this day, my, I visited my dad several times. He's come here to Dallas to visit me. And, um, my sister also lives here in Texas now. And, um, he, he presents himself in our life all the time, but we're not ever, we don't have that close niche mm-hmm. that I would hope that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think distance has a little bit to do with that, but I know that my dad knows he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I know that he did the best he could, I think with, with what he with had what and he had. what he knew. And he grew up in the same environment that I was growing up in, in Alaska mm-hmm. with less exposure. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad's reaction to me being gay was a huge amount of fear on his part. Oh, I'm sure. And what do you think he feared? I think he feared that I would not have an easy life, Mm -hmm. that I would be bullied, ridiculed. Maybe he was a little bit embarrassed Mm -hmm. that he was going to have a son, this, you know, he's this macho man, oil field worker Mm -hmm. who'd have this gay son. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there was. That it would be some sort of reflection on him as. A hundred percent. Which your kids are looked at as a reflection of you, right? Even though they're not. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And. You know, he, whenever you asked me to do this with you, I reached out to him and I was like, I have a story on my end of things Mm -hmm. of what happened and tell me yours. Like what's, what's your, how did this happen for you? That is an amazing question. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. And my dad just, he walked me through it, his part and it was, it was, it was healing for us both, you know, and so much apologies on his part. And I am happy he's done that, but. But you didn't even need it to be okay. It's so true. You wanted it because it would mean there would be healing. There could be healing and then a future relationship. Mm -hmm. But in order for Max to be okay, you didn't need it. Mm -mm. You grew up in the church. Absolutely. And so talk about how, because there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of sin and, you know, all those words swimming around your head as I'm sure laying in bed as a... 13-year-old boy trying to figure out, uh, okay, I feel this way. The Bible says, and my pastor says, and my youth minister says, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be disgusting. I don't want to be as sinful. I don't want to be bad. How did you reconcile that? It's taken years and time, and I don't know that I've found 100% peace with it all just yet. But I do know that the God that I know and the God that I've experienced loves me and knows my heart and is happy with who I am. And I'm okay with that. You're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Because um, we all are a sinner Mm -hmm. in a way. Not even in a way, in lots of ways, every way. Yeah, like I told you the other day, if this is a sin, I don't want to be right. <laughs> I'm terrible. Edit that one out, Kevin. That's staying in. Yeah. Oh, you're making me cry. You know what? I just, I so believe in that God, too. I just, I choose, I choose. I choose to believe in that God. You know, as a parent, I think at every, every I think every parent at some point has has had a thought, not even because a child acts or a certain way or does a certain thing. Like, what if, what if, what if George is gay? What if, if what if Anna Prynne is gay? I mean, I have had that conversation in my mind. I've had lots of conversations in my you know, what if so and so gets on drugs? What if Anna Prynne shows up pregnant? Like. It just prepares you, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I want, I want to always be able to love my children, 
no matter what. And I, I have told my children, it, it, there is nothing in the world that you could do or say that would ever take my love away from you, ever. I didn't have that growing up, you know? I, I did not have that growing up. And maybe that's why I'm so desperate to give it to my children because I had to do certain things and become a certain way in order to have value. And I'm telling you, that has cost me more money in therapy than, than I have in my back pocket. Of course. You know? But I think, I think unconditional love, truly, the only person who can really give that to us, I believe, is our God. Mm-hmm. But damn if we don't need to get close as parents. Because that's, that's what our children need. I mean, that's what our, that's what the world needs. needs. It's just what the world needs. I mean, if we just loved each other, regardless of sexual preferences or color of the skin or, or any of it, um, or what side of the street you live on or what side, what side of the block, you know, it's so funny. I live on (laughs) my boyfriend and I, we giggle about it because people ask, as you know, in Dallas, it's a very big thing. What street do you live on? Where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. It's a thing. And it's such a thing. And I live on a street called Deloach. Mm-hmm. Well, Deloach is a very high profile street. And yes. so they're like, oh, I can see in their minds. They're like, oh, Tova has money. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, do you live in between Preston? They want to know where on Deloach I live because it will, it, my value is about to change. And and I live on the small block of Deloge. I live where the smaller house is. I don't live on the Preston side. I live on the Hillcrest side. And so, no, I say, no, I live between Hillcrest and Thackeray. And then you can see, oh. Uh, I see. Have a good day, Tova. Yes, yes. Just so you know, I don't under, I don't know the socioeconomic relation to either of those, any of those streets. So. Oh, it's such a thing. Just wait for it. Yes. <laughs> wait till you buy a house, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, the struggle is real. What side of 75 are you on? Yes. Are you north or south of LBJ? Yes. <laughs> so all to say, my Lord, as people, we need to just calm down and love each other yeah, better, don't we? We do. And I just want to say like, what you said earlier about giving your kids the gift of just letting them be them and letting them know that you are there for them and love them. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That is the remedy. That's it. It's I give you the freedom Mm -hmm. to be in my life and be whoever you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let you know that I love you. Mm -hmm. And that just gave you freedom to be happy, to be a good person, to be whoever it is you're meant to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what I hope to do for everyone. And, oh, you, you, know. you give that in spades. So can I ask you, yes. um, is it hard to be a gay man? I mean, you don't know what it's like to be a straight man. Right. So very, very <laughs> don't, <true>. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean. I thought it was a legitimate question. You didn't have to, have to follow it up. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be a straight man. No. Um, you know, Do uh, you think it's any more difficult to be a gay man than it is to be a straight man? Let me ask, let me say it that way. Today, in 2018, mm-hmm. in a metropolitan city, I do not think it is harder. Wow. I don't. I do not wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I'm Max, a gay man. I, I don't. I don't associate with that. It, mm-hmm. it, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get offended when when people who are straight associate you in that way? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Good. I don't think I do. That's good to know. You know, um, I, I don't think it is harder. I think that I want to be careful saying that because I'm sure there are people today in this city who do have. Do you think it's harder? Mm-hmm. But my one, my profession allows me to be very open and free with who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm around fabulous women like yourself all day who are very good to me. But some people don't have that experience. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, with where I'm at in my life, it's, it's not harder at all. So to that point, if someone is gay and is struggling, maybe some advice would be put yourself in a position to be loved. To be loved. It's true. And it starts with you. Yeah. It starts with you. Yeah. It starts with, if you are ashamed of yourself, if you're scared of yourself, 
that you're telling the world to be ashamed and scared of yourself. It's really good. Or scared of you. You know, it's, it's. How, how, how has therapy, has therapy been a big part of you being okay? I will be in therapy for the rest of my life. I hope. Yeah, me too. I hope I am because it has been so crucial for me. It's an accountability thing. Mm. Um, It helps me with my relationships. Um, I think there's trauma from a child that I've experienced that I've talked to you about today that I will forever feel the effects of them mm-hmm. that I will always have to work on, Sure, but it's work I love to do and it has made me uh, a better person and therapy is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's essential mm-hmm. to be a happy person. I, I think. so agree. Well, you just, you have to go back and you have to do your family of origin work. You just have to, you have to deal yeah. with all that shit yeah. from that, they, that our parents didn't mean to do that. You know, I, I, totally agree with what you said. I think that just like your dad and my parents, even though I can look back and say, boy, that you really screwed me up there. And boy, Mm. that was a doozy. They really did. I believe the best they could with what they had. It's so true. Yeah. And the crazy thing is they did it better than their parents did it. True. (laughs) Very true. So I think the fact that we're just trying to get better as, you know, as parents and as people, um, things are changing. The world's changing. I, I, and I hope it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, you know, my children are black yeah. and the, the, that struggle is real. It's so true. You know, and people, you know, if, if you're not, I mean, I grew up in a, in a, in a white neighborhood with a white family and, and I, and I was heterosexual, um, heterosexual, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I wasn't exposed. I didn't know. I, I wasn't prejudiced to anyone. I, I just didn't, I was not exposed to this, any, any mindset that, that people were unlovable because fill in the blank, they were black or, they, or yes, whatever it is. And so I don't even have that inside me. And thank God that's probably something my parents did well. Like I don't even have that inside me. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm the exact same way for the record. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's it's, funny when you hear things like now nowadays. I'll hear something like, "Oh, you know, he's upset. He just found out that his son is gay or something." And my, for my immediately my head goes, "How is that still a thing? Yeah, like how is why that are still we still on? here? Yeah. <laughs> how are we still there? Why it's are so we true. still here? It's I mean, a sign of the times where things are changing. It's yeah, but know. I feel a great level of gratitude. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. do the same way for being raised that way. You know, it's like yeah. it's nice not to have to have that. that. I don't have any prejudices. Yeah, me either. Yeah, it's beautiful, you guys. Well, you guys are a sight to see. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I can't. I, I've I have so many other questions, and I'm, I'm going to have you back one day because what I would love to know, but we're running out of time, is just what it's like to live as a gay man. Mm-hmm. I mean. We have, we, I, and I think people who are straight um, make assumptions about uh, the gay community. Mm-hmm. Um, Just turn on a Britney Spears music video. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to have you back. I just can watch Britney That's Spears. It. Okay. Yeah, I'm it's so it is so funny. boring, so normal. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny, Max. Well, you know what? I the the most important parts of the conversation that I wanted to have today we had, and mm-hmm. mostly because um, you know I want this show to be about healing and about us getting better, and I just you know so many people think that they have to stand on a pedestal and make. And change people. I mean, we've all seen, I've seen people on the corner of Preston and Northwest Highway, right where I live, protesting and holding signs um, about, and you know, anti-gay stuff and, mm-hmm. and where they think gay people are going to go when they die if they don't turn for, away from their sin. And I, I, Which side is 75? <laughs> <laughs> the right side is 75. <laughs> Kevin, the right side. <laughs> no, no. That's terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that's just not going to move the needle. You know, like if I'm a gay woman and I see the sign that I'm going to go to hell if I don't get straight, then that, I'm sorry, that's just going to, 
Mm. It's just not going to move the needle, mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't at all. It doesn't at all. And um, I think regardless of, of fill in the blank, that, that the remedy of, of our lives should be to love one another. I mean, it's what, it's what God said, you know? Mm -hmm. Love one another as I have loved you. And damn, if Jesus didn't love the, me the most messed up of all of us. Mm -hmm. So he would have come to me first. <laughs> me second. <laughs> would have taken us out for coffee. <laughs> Hopefully together. It would have been way more fun. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I love you, I Max. Love you. Thank you so yes. much for just being honest and, and candid and hilarious and fabulous as you always are. You're so sweet. And can you do my hair this week? Yeah, let's get you that. I think I'm a little book. Hold on. <laughs> I love you, Toba. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Remedy with Toba Cito. To get more information, sponsor an episode, or contribute to this program, please visit us online at tobacito.com slash podcast or find us on social media.